0: bible it's the word of god sharper than any two-edged sword this sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness stay with american family radio for the next hour as we study god's word and take your bible questions welcome to exploring the word
1: have you ever heard the statement follow your heart Uh, could that be good advice well let me read a verse from chapter 28 Here in the book of Proverbs, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Now, I'm telling you, that puts a damper on following your heart. You better watch out. Uh, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Uh, We're going to talk about that today on Exploring the Word. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you today, and we pray that it would be beneficial to you. Alex and I were talking earlier, and Alex, you and I agreed that Proverbs was not only good for us to go through uh, on exploring the Word, but it's been good for us as well, hasn't
2: it? Well, amen. It has been. I've just really enjoyed getting back into these deep truths that the good Lord has revealed to us through His Word. Uh, Today we are in Proverbs 28, and we invite people to follow along if you're at a place where you can open the Bible. And, you know, there's so much in here that, that I... I know sayings that have come into the vernacular. Bert, I was very privileged to grow up around all my grandparents. And, well, I've, I've been around older people a lot of my life. And, you know, um, I remember hearing things like cheaters never prosper. Well, Proverbs 28, 13 says he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion, you know. Um, I've heard people talk about, you know, a dishonest person is always having to look over his shoulder and watch his back. Well, Proverbs 28 verse 1 says the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I've heard older people talk about somebody as bold as a lion. And so as I read the book of Proverbs, you and I have been doing this for several weeks. I just am reminded At how our nation, Bert, we were so blessed to be, well, a a Bible culture. Um, Don't you think the Word of God has deeply shaped the the common mind and the thought in many generations? I hope that's true in this generation as well, but there's so much truth we've read in Proverbs that has been part of the fabric of our nation.
1: It has. Start back from the very founding, the McGuffey's a reader. If you never find a uh, portion of that, you'll find out that was the main uh, educational tool in early America, and it taught uh, these biblical principles, Bible verses. Uh, Alex and I was in school. I'm old enough to have been in school when they said they took Bible reading and prayer out of school. Well, they didn't do it all because uh, some of those uh, societies and those schools kept on doing it cause it was just a part of their culture, and it did. But when I was in school, uh, we had people in my class that did not go to church. But when they got to school, uh, in some of our classes, this is in a public school, we had to memorize Bible verses, you know, a Bible verse a week had to be memorized. Uh, They would be a devotion, and uh, we would hear the Word of God. So even, you're talking about a Bible culture, for even those that were not taught at home, those that were not involved in school uh, or our church, the school had some of that information to share among them. And uh, we've gone away from that, and, th- and we're reaping the consequences of that. Uh, what all going on in our society, uh, I-, I just share with you. Should it surprise us when denying God's Word— saying the Ten Commandments are not relevant, uh, saying that prayer is not needed in school? Does it surprise you where our society has gone?
2: No, it really doesn't surprise me because, listen, why would we tell ourselves, you know, when the Word of God is very plain that if you turn from God, you know, the wicked will be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God, and the way the transgressor is hard, and there's a price for sin. I mean, the Bible is very clear and frankly very merciful to warn us of the penalty of sin, why would we be so presumptuous to think that we could sin, ignore the Lord, and there not be any repercussions? Of course there's going to be consequences for turning away from God.
1: Alex, you was talking about verse 1 of chapter 28, the, yeah. especially the first part, the wicked flee when no one pursues. I I remember being a part of recovery groups that I was wanting to see happen and 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 what would happen uh, different people drugs and alcohol uh, and a lot of times the drugs would lead to stealing and and you know doing all kinds of things and here's what they'd say it always led to paranoia said we
2: oh yeah we didn't know
1: who was watching what was watching and we could be clear but we could never rest or sleep good because we just knew we were being looked at, someone was following us, someone was going to catch us. So chapter 28, verse 1, the wicked flee when no one pursues. Uh, part of it is paranoia, brother.
2: Well, I know. It it, well, it, it really is. And hey, you know, by the way, and, and we don't have time to unpack this, this would be a fun study, um, how the Old and the New Testament complement each other. Now, you're, you'll know that in Proverbs, a lot of times there is what's called a proposition. In other words, a proposition is a truth claim. And and then there's there's a, a corollary or a something that's yeah. a result or the opposite of. And and a a proposition, a truth claim, and its corollary are joined by a part of speech called a conjunction. Now I'm going to show you something. I think you'll understand. Okay. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We see this um, structure of sentences in the New Testament. The wages of sin is death, Romans six twenty three, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, and so it's interesting how this is a way of communicating truth. This is a way that really engages the reader, and we see, um, you know, if a therefore b. Um, the, the Word of God is very orderly, very structured, and let me just say, read it. <laughs> uh, read the Word of God. Uh, sometimes people say, well, you know, the Bible is very intimidating, and I just don't know how to read the Bible. Just read it. Ask God to open your mind. The Holy Spirit will be your teacher. And uh, I, I see in Proverbs this simple structure of truth. There's promises and there's warnings and uh, it's relevant for everyone who's willing to take the time to read it. And,
1: and you will be blessed. Let me share with you, making huge, big decisions that come on your life from time to time, saturate yourself in the book of Proverbs. Now, I think you, it should be a part of your diet all along during the year. I really do. But when those big decisions that you know are headed your way, uh, you will find great wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Listen to to verse, uh, well, we can start reading verse 2. I don't know if we have time to do all 28, but and, verse 2. And here's this yeah.
2: structure again. Yeah. Read it, again, verse 2.
1: Listen, because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Now, Alex, uh, is this talking about how you treat the land is it talking about trying to rob from the land? Is it talking about society in the land? I think it I think this is a pretty wide statement concerning this, you know? Uh, oh if, yeah. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes
2: uh, or, or authority, authority figures, yeah. Really. And,
1: and it's going to it's gonna cause issues and uh, it's gonna be done in a wrong way. You know? Uh yeah righteousness will not prevail.
2: Um, one modern translation renders verse 2 this way. It says, When a country is rebellious, that's, it has many rulers that's or it. authority. That's good. But that's a ruler with discernment and knowledge maintains order. Yeah. Um, you know, G.K. Chesterton, I've shared this many times. Uh, forgive my repetition, but Chesterton said, We can control ourselves with the Ten Commandments, or we have to be controlled from without by the Ten Thousand Commandments. In other words... The more rebellious and lawless a country is, the more you have to lock down people with laws and, and authority <laughs> figures. But if we would submit ourselves to God, and uh, the ruler with discernment and knowledge, verse 2, that's a godly leader. And in the country, order will be maintained if we live by the law of God written on every heart.
1: Verse 3 is interesting, the first part of it. A poor man who oppresses the poor. Now, Alex, just start off with that. I, I read that, and I said, okay, what is this? A poor man oppressing the poor? You'd think, when the rich man oppresses what? The poor. But guess what? This is in the heart of men, isn't it? Does this verse reveal the 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 heart of man uh, wanting to control, to be in power, no matter what position he might be in?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, people uh, press, you know, somebody who has been oppressed passes that on to others. You know, there's this saying, it's kind of a cliche, but it says, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, that's it. You know, Um, a driving rain that leaves no crops. Now, rain is generally a good thing, but a a destructive rain that leaves no crops, it destroys everything. That's like a, a person who's oppressive and exploits others. Uh, those who forsake instruction praise the wicked, but those who heed it resist them. Um, you want to resist wickedness, uh, stand for truth. You know, uh, evil doers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Um, the best thing, and our our country, our beloved America, has many needs. Obviously, the the most fundamental, most important thing is that we would turn to the Lord. And like Proverbs 28, uh, 5 says, Seek what is right and understand and live by truth. Amen.
1: Verse 5, again, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Uh, evil ha- has, its, has its tentacles, that it reaches out into every part of an individual's life Economically, relational, societal—when uh, that permeates your life, you have it. What it says about in Noah's day, their thoughts were con- evil continually. So evil men do not understand justice; they don't even seek it, do they?
2: Uh, they well, they really don't. They they really don't. Uh, verse five alludes to that, and really piggybacking on that, verse six: better is a poor man who lives with integrity than a rich man who distorts right and wrong. You know, some, some translations will say, you know, does what is evil. Um, so there's some things more valuable than money. I mean, our, our culture might think that money is the most important thing, but according to Proverbs 28.6, it would better be better to be poor with righteousness than rich with perversity.
1: What shall it gain a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Again, you see this in the New Testament. Proverbs introduces so many thoughts that are carried out in the parables that Jesus would tell, uh, the teaching that Jesus gave, the things that Paul would write. As I said, I think it was yesterday, the book of James uh, is just filled with this kind of practicality as well. And we're living in a day when Yes, we need theological training. We need all the doctrines because so much doctrines is teaching that help our behavior. But we're living in a day when people are looking for practicality. And they're saying, how can this help me live in the age that we're living in? How can this help me? Well, the Word of God is, is true. And I believe, Alex, the book of Proverbs has something to say about practical living in a godless society, brother.
2: Amen. Amen. It does, and folks, that practical truth from the Lord is for each one of us, and we want you to hear more of it when Exploring the Word continues. We're going to be right back after this brief break, Proverbs 28, plus your calls and more. Stay tuned to today's edition of Exploring the Word.
3: This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today we pray for Glenda Owens, Deputy Director of the Office of Surface Mining Reclamation and Enforcement. Her office works with 24 coal producing states to ensure coal mining and reclamation activities are conducted in a manner that is environmentally sound. Psalm 24 reminds us of the importance of caring for the environment. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Glenda Owens as she works to protect our environment. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at
3: PauseToPray.org. Some people think ministry is what we pay pastors to do. But Dr. Tony Evans says it's every Christian's job, and it can be as simple as seeing a need and meeting it. He'll tell us more as we spend two minutes with Tony.
4: Needs come in all shapes and sizes. But what God wants us to do is be open to see them, open to feel them, and open to address the ones He brings across our path. You can reach out to a person without concern for God. Non-Christians do that all the time. But if you try to love God and you skip the opportunities God brings your way, then you are separated from the life of God because that's how he rolls since God is love. And if we could get Christians to love like that, for you to ask the Lord today, is there a neighbor you want me to speak to? Somebody whose need you bring across my path that I feel it. I don't just, I see a lot of homeless, but I felt that one. And I can help that one or that elderly person or that lonely person or that person that lost their job, that person that lost their hope, that person that's been abandoned by their mate, that child that's been abused by their parent. You see, when we take the mindset that the Holy Spirit of God will lead me to what he wants me to see, wants me to feel that I can do something about What you just invited God to do was give you life because life is tied to love, he says.
3: If you've never experienced God's love in a personal way, visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. You'll find lots of helpful information and free follow-up resources. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony.
2: Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him.
0: Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
2: We're in Proverbs 28, and I'm just being so blessed by the wisdom that God has made us privy to. The Lord has disclosed so much truth for us, and Bert Harper and I are going through it, Proverbs 28. Later on in the show, by the way, we will open up the telephone board, and we'd love to hear from you wherever you are. You call in. If you've got a Bible question, we'd love to hear it. And the number is 888-589-8840. We'll get to those phones in just a little bit, 888-589-8840. But, uh, you know, Bert, before the break we were talking about um, how it warns about perversity, unrighteousness, not being willing to hear truth, and we were on verse uh, 6, it says, Better is a poor man that walks in his uprightness than he who is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. And you quoted that New Testament verse, What does it profit a man To gain the whole world but lose his soul and the answer is nothing and jesus asked the question what will a man give in exchange for his soul in other words the most important thing in the world is to have a soul that's been redeemed by jesus goodness um we we think so much about money and wealth position power influence fame but if if you miss heaven uh, it would be better to have been the the most impoverished human that ever lived, but go to heaven rather than be rich, famous in the history books and go to hell. Friend, the state of your soul is the most important thing you'll ever consider.
1: And we're praying that you have that right with God. If you don't, and you're looking for someone to talk to, uh, we have a ministering friend, and uh, they need him. It's 888-NEED-HIM. You can dial that, or you can go to chataboutjesus.com, And and you can go on the Internet and and talk with them, chat with them. But they'll help you come to that place in your life where you're right with God. If you desire it and you're willing to follow him, I want to tell you there's hope. And, Alex, uh, that's part of the reason Exploring the Word exists is to give hope. Uh, We hear about what's going on around us, and it is difficult and it's hard. But when you get into the Word of God, it lets you know it doesn't hide its face from that, but it gives hope in the midst of the trouble. And with that in mind, let's read verses 7 and following. And and I'm going to read several of these because I think they kind of, I think when you come to verses 12 and 13, they kind of surmise them. That's uh, what I figured. But let me read them. Whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. One who increases his possession by usury and extortion, gather it for him who will pity the poor. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. I want to come back to that one for sure. Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good things. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. Now listen to 12 and 13. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. And verse 13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Alex, when you put these all together, it lets you know that living a life where sin and your own desires rule brings you to ruin. But that person who will seek God, who will admit his sin and rejoice in the God of his redemption, they have great peace. What a contrast, isn't it?
2: Well, it is. And, you know, it reminds me, again, how the Bible interprets the Bible and the Bible complements the Bible. Uh, You know, uh, back in Proverbs 21, it says that uh, even the plowing of the wicked is sin, Proverbs 21, a high look and a proud heart, and the plowing, even just working, you know, the unsaved enemy of God is is sinning, and verse 9 of Proverbs 28, uh, anyone who turns his ear away from the hearing of the law, even his prayer is detestable. And the, the word in the original language is an abomination. Friend, you can't earn salvation. You can't, uh, you know, um, obstinately go your way. And, you know, God's not in heaven saying, well, you know, golly, I, I guess I'm just going to have to change what sin is, because those people, they're not going to repent. So I better, you know, I, I think about this, and uh, if, if this offends anybody, I'm sorry, but homosexuality, and I, I know people are, you know, abused, and a lot of sexual deviancy is the result of, of abuse. But we don't change the Bible, and we don't water down what the Word of God says. Now, people need counseling. If, if you turn to Christ, He can forgive you and heal you. But God's not up in heaven saying, Oh, my goodness, the whole wide world is accepting of that now. You know, I, I better change what my Word says. no. Uh, and Proverbs 21.9, even the prayer of the one who's rejected God is detestable. Proverbs 21, the, the wicked man who has rejected truth, even just his plowing of the field is, is sin. Bert, I, I read the Bible. My point in sharing all this is, look, God is a holy God. And uh, he, is, he is not going to change and cease to be holy, praise God. Uh, we've got to repent and change our ways and turn to Him. We we can't expect God or His Word to change just to placate us.
1: Now, what kind of prayer does God listen to? Listen, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous, righteous man, man avails much. Now, our it's not our righteousness. It's not our self righteousness. It's not us going around and saying, "I don't do this. I don't do that." That's that's what the publican. Uh, and, and the Pharisee went up, the Pharisee, I thank God, I'm not like that man. I, I do things right. I tithe. I, 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 I fast. I, I do everything right. I'm not like him. That's not righteousness. That is uh, That is the height of hypocrisy, if you want to know the truth. And God has a lot to say about hypocrisy but it is the man who comes and humbles himself before God and turns his ear to God in response to him. And that's what verse 12 is talking about. The righteous rejoice, there's great glory. When when we understand that our self-righteousness gets us nothing but hell, but God's righteousness in us gets us heaven, I want to tell you, the whole idea is turning to Christ, letting him, be right. Now, verse 11 makes that plain too, I think, Alex. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the mm-hmm. poor who has understanding searches him out. Now, notice the poor who has. It doesn't say the poor has understanding. It says the poor who has understanding. Uh, you can be rich or you can be poor, and if you have understanding, you're blessed, aren't you?
2: Oh, you, you really are. You really are. Um, that's why the greatest wealth is your relationship with the Lord. Uh, verse 12, When the righteous triumph, there is great rejoicing. But when the wicked come to power, people hide themselves. Um, that That's a verse that is uh, very descriptive of the times in which we live, for sure. Uh, again, verse 13, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. You know, Romans 10, 9 and 10 if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's something about confession, and Bert, uh, we could talk about repentance, but um, whether it's to confess our sin, admit our sin, repent, turn from sin to Christ, isn't it agreeing with God about ourselves and agreeing with God about Jesus? We're saying, Lord, you're, you're right, I've sinned, I'm guilty. Lord, I admit, your assessment of me is correct. I'm a sinner. And then I agree about Jesus. He, he really is the Son of God, as He claimed to be. He died for the world. That means He died for me, and I'm accepting Jesus, and what He did is the payment for, our, for my sin. Bert, confession, um, turning to God for mercy— It's worked in every generation. It will work for every person today, won't it? It will.
1: And confession, the real meaning of that word is to say the same thing as God. That's the whole idea. You confess your sins. You agree with God about your sin. You confess Jesus is Lord. You agree with God about Jesus Christ and his reason for coming and the risen Savior. Uh, That's what we're saying to you. Jesus came. He said not to do my will. But I came to do the will of my Father. Who are we to say we're going to do it differently? No, we go with God. And we're praying you'll go with God today. Now, again, we're, we've got a lot of verses left. We're only halfway through, and we don't have uh, half enough time. But let me hit one or two, Alex, and then you can hit some that you feel like you need to. But verse 14, I think it has a lot to say Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Now again, there's a lot, but I want to concentrate on that last part and go back to the the the, the uh, Exodus book. And I can't help but think of Pharaoh. Hardened his heart will re- result in calamity. If you want a classic example of someone hardening their heart and reaping the consequences, study Pharaoh. He had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn and turn to God, and he hardened his heart, hardened his heart, and it resulted in the death of his army. It resulted in the death of the firstborn of every Egyptian male firstborn. Alex, hardening your heart. Let me just say, it's one of the most dangerous things that you can do is to say no to God the first time, the second mm-hmm. time, the third time. Say yes to God, do it now.
2: Keep a tender heart receptive to the Holy Spirit. Well, verse fifteen uh talks about a wicked ruler over a helpless people is like a roaring lion or a charging bear. Verse sixteen uh condemns leaders that that want dishonest profit, and that's uh that's unwise. Verse 17, a man burdened by blood guilt will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. Uh, every now and then, there'll be shows on TV about where a crime was solved after many, many years, or or maybe somebody confessed to a crime. Maybe there was like an unsolved murder, and then somebody before they died confessed, and Bert, I've watched some of these shows, and, and I've got a friend named Jay Warner Wallace. He's a very famous apologist, and he was a A homicide detective. And he said, very often when they apprehended criminals that had been, as they say, on the lam for years and years, people would say, you know, I've been, you know, free for decades, and yet I I was always looking over my shoulder. I knew any minute they were going to show up to arrest me or something like that. Okay, a fugitive, verse 17, you know, uh, to be a fugitive, always on the run never at peace. That's why, well, let me just say, if there if there's something you need to make right, first of all, get right with God. Get right with people. There is a freedom, there is a liberty, and, Bert, to, to apologize to somebody, or maybe even, I mean, we had this happen once in an event. Twenty years ago, we were in Illinois, and had a man at the altar call on a Friday night, turned himself in for a crime, and we called... Uh, the the authorities and I mean the man was overjoyed because a burden that he had been trying to hide from got resolved ultimately. But uh, you know what? Fugitive, captive, slave, that's to be in a state of unforgiven, unconfessed sin. But when you turn to Jesus, whatever that involves, you know, Zacchaeus, he, he had to make things right financially. Isn't there freedom and just absolute liberty when you're right with God and then God helps you get right with man?
1: Amen. With that in mind, let's skip down to 25 and 26 because it ties that in, and I wanted to get to them for sure. Look at these because it tells you a lot about trusting. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. Man, chapter 28 of Proverbs really talks about Hardening your heart, your proud heart, uh, being wise in your own eyes, how dangerous that is. But listen to the contrast, as Alex was talking about earlier. But he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He will prosper. He, God will prosper him. You want to trust the Lord. And 26 goes along with that. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. I already read that. But whoever mm, yeah, walks wisely. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, will be delivered. We're, w- Listen, the gospel's in the book of Proverbs. It, it is a book of wisdom, it is a book of practicality, but it's a book that if, desires and shows the greatness of turning your life, your heart over to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. The last thing you want to do is trust your own heart. Uh, no, you trust the Word of God to turn to someone that is proved. The Bible says that Thy Word is settled in heaven. Alex, I would say that was a sure amen. word, brother.
2: Uh, amen. God's Word is settled in heaven. Uh, I verse twenty six. We should put that on billboards. You know, don't. Uh, People say, let your heart be your guide. No, your heart can deceive you. Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful. But it goes on, verse 27 talks about being generous, giving to the poor, and you'll not be in need. uh, To turn away from those you could help is a bad thing. And again, it was said earlier in the chapter, but when the wicked come to power, the people hide. But when the wicked are destroyed, the righteous flourish. Righteousness individually, Nationally, It's a good thing.
1: It is. One last thing. We skipped over it, but it was good. Let me just share it with you. 21, it's good. To show partiality is not good. God doesn't. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. No matter who you are, you can come to Christ and do it today. We're going to take phone calls, and that number, 888-589-8840.
0: to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio.
5: Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. An appalling video circulated on social media showing a smiling Iranian husband parading the severed head of his 17-year-old wife through the streets is causing shock and outrage in the country and around the world. The footage, obtained by the New York Post, shows the murdering husband grinning as he strolled through a neighborhood in Avaz, a city in southwestern Iran, on Saturday, February 5th, with his wife Mona Hadari's head in one hand and a bloodied blade in the other. Contrary to regressive sentiment, no, not all civilizations or cultures are equal. There is something called evil, and this is pure evil.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
3: This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Ezra chapter 10, verse 2 says, But even now there is hope. A submarine sank off the coast of North America in the Atlantic Ocean. As rescue divers approached the wreckage, they began to hear tapping noises. It was Morse code. A sailor trapped inside was desperately tapping out a message. Is there hope? Every person is asking that same question in the deepest part of their heart. But the Bible gives us this great news. In Jesus Christ, there is hope. Hope is alive and it's found in Christ. If you know Jesus, you have the greatest hope there is. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. Share that hope with someone today who needs to know. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR.
0: Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
1: Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex. With you today, we're hoping you're having a great day today. We are, and uh, Alex, I know it's a special day in your household. I I understand that uh, it's your wife Angie's birthday today.
2: Oh, today is Angie's birthday. Yes, February 16, uh, the day that she came into this world. Praise God, and uh, my wife is a nurse, and she's a godly. Christian lady, and today is her birthday, and I want to wish Angie a happy birthday. Now, we have a a frequent listener and a dear friend of this wonderful ministry, and he's been a part of the, the AFA family. His name is Dave Dabney, and Dave is in Mississippi. He's got this amazing talent, Bert, I don't know how he does it, but if you tell him your birthday. Uh, he can tell you what day you were born on, you tell him what year. I mean, he's a math whiz, and we call him Birthday Dave, yeah. because he's he knows everybody's birthday and anniversary and Christmas, and dear Brother Dave Dabney, I know you're probably listening, but uh, Angie appreciates the birthday wishes, and we just appreciate how you pray for this ministry and you listen, and you're a dynamic witness for Christ's birthday, Dave. But, we yeah, do. happy birthday to my dear Angie.
1: Amen. Happy birthday from me. Let's go to well, the first call. You. Who is it today, Alex?
2: Uh, how about North Carolina, Lynn? Uh, Lynn, are you there? I am. How you doing? Welcome to Exploring the Word.
5: All right. You're my right? question was, I've never really heard anybody ask— uh, there was a young man walking along with Jesus the night he was arrested when they were taking him, taking him in. And they said that his cloak fell off or whatever, and he was naked. What, where does that – I don't think it's in only one of the Gospels, but I was just wondering what, where that young man fit in, or young lad. I think how it says it.
1: Yeah. Alex, uh, I think one time in 10 years that has come up and wanted mm-hmm. to know who it was. And we well, speculated, the bottom line, we don't know who he was. You know, that's the bottom line. There's speculation on others, though, aren't there?
2: Well, this is in Mark 14:51 and 52, and it describes a young man who uh, was seized by a Roman soldier, and he tries to run, and it, like, rips his, his outer garment off. Uh, it doesn't say for sure. A lot of people think it is is John Mark himself, the author of the Gospel of Mark.
1: Well, that's if if you eliminate, that's what you come up with. And uh, I I heard something today, and it, it was a great thing. This is what makes part of the New Testament so believable that it was written, and it's true. It's these men who wrote it letting us know about their downfalls, about how they messed up peter denying and he tells about it you know john talking about it the sons you know and uh this is one of those alex to me it brings credibility to the scriptures that they would include that little i mean it's a small but if they include that small detail in it lynn to me it just verifies the word of god man
2: and and that he was an eyewitness and was there. That's exactly you know, right. Yes. He, here's what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. And listen, uh, you can take my word for it. I was there, and I almost got arrested. And they grabbed my clothes. You know, I mean, in a way, it's these eyewitness details. They might seem a little unusual to us, but it, it what it's telling us is: look, these gospels were written by the people who saw it and experienced it. Exactly. But, Lynn, great question. We're going to go to Virginia. David in Virginia.
5: Hello, brothers. How y'all doing?
2: Good to hear from you.
5: Listen, I'm going to talk real quick because this is something that I don't know how to handle. Okay. It has to do with witnessing to a couple people that I know. I right, real quick. And the lady, she is, she, she's lost some people in her family, her, her friends. She's gone to like seven or eight funerals in the last four or five months. I said, well, you believe in God and Jesus? She said, of course, that's the only way that I'm getting through this. Praise God. But listen, she yeah. has a wife, and she says, my wife. So we know what we're saying. Now, I pray for the Holy Spirit. She's told me this. What can I say? I can't let it go. She loves the Lord. Now, another one real quick. A a good friend of mine, he said, well, I was raised Catholic, and we were talking. I didn't know this. He said the Bible was written by man for man. And I said, have you accepted the Lord as your Savior? He goes, no. But he got real sick one time. He said, I prayed for him to take me away from him." I can't turn my – what do I say? What do I do? How do I handle this? I pray for the Holy Spirit to lead me. This has been going on three, four months and nothing. I don't want to go in blind.
1: Okay, man. David, we thank you for your heart. We really do. Alex, when it comes to people uh, that say they're saved and we – and homosexuality be the same as living in adultery, okay? It's still sin. Uh, they're justifying a sin. That's the whole idea. Uh, and and you've got to let them say, okay, listen, a relationship with the Lord is real. It changes. Corinthians talks about it. Things have become new, and you become more like Christ. Uh, I, I'm not sure you'll change them, but you can pray for them, David, and you can share in love, and, and not trying to beat them over the head. But you can share in love. Well, the Bible says in Corinthians, such were some of you. Uh, th- those things were laid down, and they shouldn't be practiced today. Alex, how would you tell David to handle that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Luke six forty six, Jesus says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say?" And uh, Matthew seven twenty four. Warns about men. Many people are going to say, "Lord, I did this and I did that, and I, you know, uh, I I used your name," and Jesus is going to say, "Hey, depart! I never knew you." So if we really claim to know the Lord, our life must be in conformity to to what His Word says about being a disciple. And so if somebody is in is in a lifestyle that is clearly condemned by Scripture. And they don't feel any conviction or remorse about that. You know, they can talk about Jesus all day long, but they're not saved if they're living in defiance to the word that Christ said we must follow. But the other thing about the Bible um, yes, it is true that 40 human authors wrote what God told them to put in these scriptures. But it, whenever somebody says, well, the Bible was written by man for man. Um, you know, that that's really just a very uninformed statement. I mean, you've got the endorsement of Jesus, you've got fulfilled prophecy, history, archaeology, the power of the Bible to change lives. I mean, clearly, the Bible is a supernatural book. And so, what if somebody said, Bert, um, well, you know, the president dictated a letter to the American people, but his secretary wrote it, therefore it has no authority. No, maybe the secretary wrote down what the president dictated, but if it was from the mouth of the the leader, doesn't matter who the stenographer was, it still is his words. That's how it is with the Bible. Sure, Moses wrote, David wrote, Paul wrote, but it was the words God gave them to to write. And so our book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, elaborates on that, but Oh, that was a great question, and and may God bless you in your walk and witness there, David. Well, we're going to stay in Virginia. We're going to go to um, is it Javier or Javier in Virginia? Javier, Javier, welcome. Hello. Oh, yes. hi. God bless you. I have a question
5: about uh, today's church uh, about tattoos. Is it okay to have tattoos or to get tattoos while you say that you're a follower of Christ? Oh. How come um, I
1: don't hear pastors preaching upon this? Okay, Javier, mm-hmm. this comes out in the Old Testament, and it tells you some things that you're not to do. Uh, it has to do. Does it have to? Is it a moral law, or is it an identification? Uh, what is it, Alex? Uh, tattoos is one of those things that uh, I, I, you know, is it best? I, I don't know. Uh, but I've got friends, very good friends. Got tattoos, and man, they use them as a witnessing to javier uh yeah. they they've got them, and uh, they uh, let christ be seen uh bible verses tattooed on them, and they say this is the word of god, and so alex uh
2: well go ahead yeah i i really think it's a personal decision uh i I really do now um Ephesians 6 talks about children, obey your parents. So if you're a minor, if you're living at home, and uh, young people, do what your mom and dad says, and and don't be uh, rebellious. But um, I really think it's a personal decision. I know under Old Testament law, Leviticus 1928, the Israelites were not to make a mark on their body because tattoos in that point, which included not only... uh, Ink-based tattoos, but cutting and mutilation, or or cutting a design into your skin, that God pro- prohibited it of the Israelites. But we're not under law. Um, I, I really think it's a personal decision. In some cultures, it's frowned upon. In some cultures, it's a witnessing tool. So I, I think it's. That's one of those areas of of Christian liberty that's up to individual believers. Bert, would you agree?
1: I agree fully, Alex. And uh, uh, So, Javier, that's the reason you probably don't hear the preachers preaching on it. It's not one of those things. Uh, I heard this, and and it was said by uh, a great, great preacher, Alan Redpath. He's one of my favorite readers. He said, the church can kill mice while the lions take the land. And and so, man, we've got issues today that are so the church being the church, preaching the gospel, the church uh, equipping the saints in this with apologetics, with practical living. Man, we need to major on the gospel and major on discipleship, and that's what yeah, we yeah. need to do. Go ahead,
2: Bill in Ohio. Bill, welcome to the program.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Brother
3: Alex and uh, Brother Barr, and I-, I thank you for your program. And my question is, and it's there's, there's takes on both sides from well-respected leaders, and my question is, if you are left behind after the rapture, will you still have the opportunity or second chance to be saved, or will you be condemned because God will send you a strong delusion?
1: Great question, Bill. Let me just share this with you, Alex. You may have been this too. I was raised that if you heard the gospel before the rapture took place, after that there was no hope. I started trying to read the scriptures on my own and looking at it for what I knew and what I could see rather than what I heard others say. Uh, I I got a feeling some of those folks are going to be saved now. Uh, some of them will not. I mean, I, I've seen people reject God uh, in the, like you said earlier, uh, about them seeing Jesus and not accepting him. Uh, but I think they may have the opportunity to do so, at least some. Alex, go ahead.
2: Well, yeah, I, I, I was raised up under that preaching, too. Second Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, talks about uh, people who believe not the truth, and God sends a strong delusion. Uh, let me just say, I, I did that, Same thing, Bert. I tried to search the Scriptures because I heard if if you didn't go up in the rapture, you were irrevocably lost. I don't know. I think during the Tribulation some people might realize the error of their unbelief and procrastination. I will say this. uh, There's going to be a lot of believers martyred during the Tribulation, so uh, why risk being left behind and go through that? I mean, turn to Christ and be saved— but also turn to Christ, and from the wrath to come, be delivered, you know? But at any rate, you don't want to trifle with the state of your soul. Eternity is one heartbeat away. Get your life right with Jesus now. Amen. Thank but, you, uh, Vera in Texas. Vera, thanks for holding welcome to the American Family Radio Network.
5: Okay, uh, I'm looking at Psalm 119 in the King James Version, and after verse 8... There's about 15 little sections till the end, and they have these little funny words that I don't
1: know what they mean. I was just wondering why that's there. Amen. How could huh. you teach the alphabet, Hebrew alphabet from Psalm 119, Alex?
2: That, that's right. <laughs> hey, God bless you. There are 22 stanzas of eight verses each, making a total of 176 verses, Aleph and Beth and Gimel, These are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And what's interesting, Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. Words are made up of letters, and letters make the alphabet. So what this is, um, these are eight, and here's a fancy word, strophe, S-T-R-O-P-H-E-S, or stanza. And pious Jews of, of ancient times, and I'm sure today as well, would memorize these. And A B C D E F G. There's there's a stanza of eight verses for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it was really kind of a a memory device. But also, uh, it's just this wonderful, glorious chapter that is a thorough tribute to the Word of God. Uh, and I, I commend you for reading it. Psalm 119 is rich. Let me tell you. Thank you, Vera. Okay, go stay in Texas, talk with Cody. Cody, Cody. You,
1: you'll have about 10 or 15 seconds. What's your question? Well,
5: hi. I was just uh, in today's technological time. My grandmother used to use something like a, called a concordance to get more out oh. of the
1: Bible. What, what could what we use today? today? Okay, Cody. Alex,
2: tell us Biblegateway.com, Bible Hub. Uh, If you're talking about electronically, there's a lot, but a good place to start and it's free is BibleGateway.com.
1: Okay, Cody, sorry about that. Running out of time and we didn't give you a decent, uh, if you want to call back and have a little bit more information, try to do that. We'd love to talk with you. Alex, tell Angie happy birthday and hope she has a great one, man.
2: Well, thank you. And we appreciate everybody listening to Exploring the Word and your enthusiasm for this program blesses us so much, yes. and we pray God's blessing on you. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network and the program. Most of all, though, tell everybody about Jesus.